Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles. I'm the managing director of B Squared, and I am the host of the Sendcast. This podcast is all about learning around special educational needs and disability. We want to educate the world. So, if this is your first podcast with us, welcome. In this episode, we're going to be discussing the benefits of audiobooks for children who cannot read the written word. My guest this week is Emily Pye from Listening Books. Emily is part of the membership team for Listening Books and has been looking at the benefits and impact audiobooks can bring to young people's lives. The Sendcart is created and produced by us here at B Squared. We help schools to show progress for pupils with SEND. We know they make progress and we can show it. And we do this for a wide range of abilities and ages and not just for the English curriculum, we also do it for the curriculum for excellence and the curriculum for Wales. And if you're a primary school struggling to show progress or struggling to identify where people isn't making progress, then we can help. If you want to find out more about our assessment software or any of our products, visit the B-Squared website or click on the meeting link in the show notes to book a meeting with me and I will take you through our assessment software. Now, let's get on with the podcast. On this week's show, we're discussing the benefits of audiobooks for children and young people who cannot read the written word. My guest this week is Emily Pye. Emily is from Listening Books, an audiobook lending charity, and Emily is part of the membership team for Listening Books, and she has spent the last few years looking at the benefits and impact audiobooks can bring to young people's lives. Welcome to the show, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. I hadn't realized the impact audiobooks can have until I was discussing dyslexia with Aaron Smith, who told me he loves books, which I found strange for somebody who was dyslexic, because he was unable to read them. But that's because he told me he listened to them. So he listened to them through Audible or somewhere else, but he loved the books. And in my head, you can't love a book unless you can read. So that was quite a reset my mind, my, where I thought about books. So audiobooks can have a big impact, can't they? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think kind of dyslexia specifically, audiobooks can be so dyslexia friendly, you know, because they remove the need for the the reader or the listener in, in this case to have to decode the, the print that's right there in front of them. Right. So you can enjoy the meaning of the words without, you know, and kind of sidestep that process altogether. And you can just kind of get lost in a story without having to struggle through the, the print that's on the page right there. Yeah, and I think because I know like with what I loved about Kindles mm. is you could resize the text and things like that. So yeah. it, what I loved about that was it just removed the barriers and it also it hid what book you were reading. So if you were an, a younger reader or you're learning mm. at a lower level, you could do things like that. But audiobooks is doing exactly the same. Is you're kind of hiding which book you're listening to, but again, you're just completely removing that decoding part of reading. And you're yeah, just absolutely. going to the story itself, making it more accessible. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's really interesting that you said that, you know, you've made these assumptions that if you're dyslexic, you, you're not going to be an avid reader. You know, being a really bookish person is just not going to be available to you. And I think that's understandable to kind of have that assumption. And, but also think about all the amount of actually dyslexic people who have that assumption about themselves and kind of maybe might not be aware of how audio, the role that audiobooks could play in actually opening up the world of literature to them. So 
we get testimonials from our members at Listening Books from time to time. And they say, if, for example, they, they say things like, you know, I'm dyslexic and I just never, ever thought that, that, that you know, being a, a kind of an avid reader would be open to me. Or they talk about their, their children. I think I remember this one. I think I want to say that this child's name was Percy, but I think it's I'm misremembering because he read the Percy Jackson books. So in my head, he's Percy. <laughs> but I remember this wonderful testimonial from a parent who said just, you know, my son just had never, you know, touched books really because he's dyslexic. And so reading was a really embarrassing or stressful kind of painful experience for him. And it just was, why would he choose to do that? Why would he choose to put himself through that? But then kind of after discovering audiobooks, you know, I remember this mum saying he walloped his way through all the Percy Jacksons, even to the point where we actually started buying print versions so that you can, you know, he could listen and read at the same time. So being able to listen to audiobooks actually fed into him being a more confident like reader with actual physical books as well. So I think it's so interesting that actually not only can we have these preconceptions about what other people with certain conditions might be able to do, but even the people who have those conditions themselves, for example, or like kind of learning difficulties like dyslexia, you might think, well, this is just like closed off to me. This is not available to me. When actually it might not be the case because audiobooks in this case could really help. And I like that with dyslexia, obviously that access to the written word. And, mm. But it's like with dysgraphia, you have problems writing. So you think, mm. oh, you can't write. But actually, there are so many ways you can write in different ways. And it's this, uh, the, phys- the physical access of writing or physical access of reading is just one part of much loads of other stuff going on. Yeah. And with both of those, by using a computer, using text-to-speech, using things like that, you're removing that physical barrier you, that now you can hear it or you can speak and the rest of your brain is just free to just let go and just enjoy and create or listen without that barrier. But we're so used to in schools, you have to write with pen and paper or pencil right. and paper. You have to read from a book. That, Otherwise, it's not real reading. Maybe yes. some people do have that opinion. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's a, that's a whole other bit I can go into on that. But that's, yeah, that's, me, me too. <laughs> we'll move on to that a bit later. We'll come back to that yeah. later. So, but to me, the audio books from that point of view are really, really powerful. And I know um, lots of people use audio books on car journeys as well. My wife listens to them gardening. My friend listens to them when he's traveling and things like that. So that's the thing is. Audiobooks are widely used, but I don't think people realize the benefits of them that much. They find it going, I don't have time to sit and read, but I could listen. Yeah, absolutely. And do you know what? That's so interesting, actually, that you mentioned dysgraphia as well, because I'm thinking about kind of preconceptions that have been challenged, actually. You know, before I started um, working at Listening Books, I knew a lot less about learning difficulties and also just about audiobooks in general. But actually, kind of, I've recently found out there's there's been some research done that shows that people who listen to audiobooks are much more likely to say that they enjoy both reading and writing. So it can actually, because it's it's all connected, and it can just make you much more in tune with language and make you want to, you know, write or do creative writing as well. So that can be really good for school children. But yeah, like you say audiobooks can be listened to kind of anywhere they're so helpful like you say for car journeys it's really great for the are we there yet kind of kids which I definitely was and I think my parents 
probably could have really benefited from some some more heavy audiobook use when we were on car, like on car journeys when I was young. But that's the thing is, my wife, if she's not looking out, if she looks down, she cannot. So if she's even trying to read a book in a car, she will be yeah, ill. She'll feel so ill, but yeah. she can listen. So it's another benefit where audiobooks comes in that actually for my wife, who gets a bit travel sick, mm. it's not my driving, everyone. It, it is by listening, she can look out and keep her balance, but she gets to accept it. But yeah, I do think... And I know from experience, when I've done a huge amount of reading, I swear mm. my use of language has improved with a Definitely. bigger vocabulary. And then as I read less, because I'm busy, which is quite a bit, mm. my, my, my language, I think, becomes simpler. Mm. Whereas I do think when I'm reading and I do read, I'm, I'm, I, I'm kind of thinking about it and it adds into my own lexicon of words and things and phrases and things. So. If you are dyslexic and you cannot access that, you, you kind of you, you got you need quality text to read. And I'm not going Absolutely. to Shakespeare level because I have my I have personal um, crisis with that. My, <laughs> my secondary school and that's not going to come back. But the more text you have access to, that higher quality text, the more your language is going to improve. And then, as you said, that goes back into your creativity, your Absolutely. own writing. Yeah, and and that's a really good point that you're making because audiobooks give struggling or reluctant readers kind of access to texts that are more appropriate for their own like age and interests. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with being above the target age for Dora the Explorer and still enjoying Dora the Explorer. However, sometimes something that can be really off-putting for people, especially children, when I think a lot of the time they can be self-conscious about whether they're too babyish or too young for their age, it can be really off-putting if you're a struggling reader and the only books that are available for your level are just like kind of much younger than you are. So you can't enjoy the same stories as your friends. You can't get involved within the same kind of reading practices in, in lesson times and it can make you feel quite isolated and a bit embarrassed. And so that feeds into you being more reluctant to read. And then your vocabulary, like you say, it's not as rich. It's not as varied being able to remove that barrier to text, audiobooks can allow people to listen to or enjoy the same stories as one another. So it can help kind of children socially as well because they don't feel as embarrassed about the books that they're reading and they can also chat to their friends about their favorite books. I used to play kind of games with my friends when I was at primary school and we pretend to be like kind of characters from different books that we've been reading in class recently. And it's just, it's so important. And it's really interesting what you were saying about kind of listening in the car as well because again it can if families definitely need quiet time where you're not all having to engage with one another and so sometimes it's really nice to be able to put your headphones on in the car and just have that sort of separation for a period but it's also really great you can have it obviously kind of just playing through the car radio and everyone can listen together and that can be really great for kind of you know busy parents you know if you're too busy as a parent to to read for pleasure for yourself you might also find that actually it's harder to find the time to share stories with your kids, even though that's so important. There's so many other things to be done. But if you're a parent who struggles with reading yourself, that can also be really hard because you want to get your kids into reading, but you actually might not be that confident. And that kind of removes that barrier. You know, you can still enjoy story time as a family. And I think it's important is is the reading is the access and the text. It's that decoding, which we kind of remove because we're doing audio books. Right. But it's, by having listened to it as a family, you get to have that conversation about 
why did he do that? What made him do that? And you're kind of helping them with that comprehension and picking those nuances up. That's the thing. I did a reason on another podcast where he talked about he clenched his fists Mm. and you will pick up that he was angry because you kind of been there. But for younger readers, when they first read that phrase, we clenched his fists. They're like, well, why has he done that? It's devoid of context until you have that conversation, right? So I think listening as a family gives you that. You can take them on the journey. You can maybe even talk about, oh, it's a bit like when we did this and you did that. And you can relate that experience to their own experiences, which helps them understand more and how they felt in that situation, which will give them more insight to why that character did what they did next. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, studies have shown that audiobooks can help develop children's like emotional intelligence as well, because you start to develop empathy because because exactly of those situations that you're describing, you know, he clenched his fist because do you remember when you did that when you were cross the other day because someone had spilt juice on your drawing or whatever it was, you know, and it just helps it helps children begin to empathize with other people. And the other bit I love about audiobooks, which is, again, nothing I love about Kindles, is my daughter was a bit of a reluctant reader. Mm. So you give her a little book and she will just fly through it. And you know, I knew she was ready for thicker books, but you show her a Harry Potter book and mm. it was just too daunting for her, that size book. So we got her a Kindle and I downloaded a load of free books because they do loads of little f- random stuff, which is free, but they often, they also do the first <clears throat> book in a series of six books the first one is often free i see so i found a book which looked quite interesting it was 300 and something pages long and i downloaded it but i didn't tell her i said i've just stuck some books on there for you she went oh great and she loved it and she sat up and read i've read them all i went all of them she's like yes all of them wow all of them she went yes Look at me like I was going. What's your problem yeah yeah and i did like this one she's like yeah i did it really she was really really good because blah 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 i went I didn't know how long the book was. She went, no. I went on to Amazon and it showed her, it says 319 pages oh, long. Wow. And she looked at me like blankly. So I then got that Harry Potter book out and showed it. It was like similar size. I went, you've read a book. And you could see on her face going, I didn't know I could. It was just, it hid it from her. And again, same with an audio book. Mm. You're not looking at a giant book. You're going, just start listening and enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, sit back, relax, put on your favorite story. You're right. That's amazing. I, I see your point. Like it hides the daunting element of the book from the from the reader. And I think also for kids as well, audiobooks maybe specifically, it's got like sort of you can sort of listen while you play. So there's like that enjoyable element. And it's also so sort of like technological enough that it's sort of a bit gadgety and kind of it's got that fun element, but actually it can help to take kids' eyes off screens because then you turn the screen off, you're not watching a video, you're just listening. So it's still kind of in the background educational and it's kind of, it's it's constructive and it's in- informational, and but it's also fun and it's a gadget and it's something you can play with. But like you say, it's there's the daunting elements are hidden. And I think that's, I'm not sure if that's something I've considered before actually, but that's so interesting to hear kind of how it worked for your daughter for ebooks. That's amazing. Yeah, she just would look at this book and goes, No. And I go, but it's a really good story. And she'd go, I'm not interested. Mm. And she was, but it just scared her. Yeah. I can't do that. I'm not good enough, type thing entered her mind. But mm. she read this book and then almost like once she said it, she went, I can do that. She then kind of picked up the Harry Potter books and just burnt through all of them. Wowza. Once you give that child that confidence, same with the Percy Jackson. She flew through all of them. And we were really lucky. We went to the British Museum. 
Mm. There's a Greek section. And without even reading a sign, she told us all about every person. She'd literally look at the statue and know who it was. No way. Without that's even amazing. Without reading the sign. She'd, oh, that's blah, blah. Who's married to him? Yes. And he's this, but she's this, but that happened and this. And I'm literally going, and I basically, I had a tour guide. Wow. And it was my 11-year-old daughter who just read all the Percy Jackson books, all the Olympus mm. Gods books, wherever it was. And it was all in there. And she was able to recall that information. Isn't that awesome? That's fantastic. So that, that boy who heard all those stories, yeah. although he couldn't read, he would be able to walk into that same thing and do exactly the same. Mm. Would you say now that, that your daughter is like a much more confident reader? Like she kind of has more faith in what she can accomplish as a reader? It, yeah. It, generally, it doesn't impact her. And I've got my other daughter um, is a reluctant reader, but it's a really interesting thing. I don't think audiobooks would help. But yeah, for her, she's much more confident. She mm. has this confidence. She'll just pick up anything and attack it. My youngest daughter, who's in secondary school, she struggles with reading. And one of the things I found is when I read a book, I use bits I know to kind of make a film in my head. Okay. So I don't know if you, if you read a book, do you see it going on in your head? Do you hear like, if you read Harry Potter, do you hear Harry Potter's voice and you see Hermione and you see... Dumbledore, do you see it in your head or is your mind empty? It's a really good question. I think something with Harry Potter might be hard because like now I have the visual of the films that I kind of will use that to draw on. I've always found actually that I've got like a bit of like an underdeveloped mind's eye. I find it quite, which is so strange because growing up, I really loved reading like print books, like traditional kind of books. And yet whenever they describe like a city or a thing or a place, I can't really picture it. So I don't really know. I think I just like the feeling of escaping into another world more than anything. And I like language. But I think, yeah, having watched a film, actually, I find a book easier to get into sometimes because I can picture exactly, oh, yeah, you know, I can picture Daniel Radcliffe. So I can picture this character kind of thing or like I know their voice. So it's more immersive. Yeah. So I find whenever I read books, I generally I'm pulling that in. So my dad, I used to read my dad had the Biggles books which was World War II, fighter planes. And right. I knew what a Spitfire looked like. I knew what a hurricane. I knew those. So I could generally picture it, not really detailed, but I could picture it in my head what they were mm. doing. And it's kind of, as I'm reading, there's a film going on in my head. And mm. I wanted to see how it's going to end. And generally, most books, that's what happens. I'm kind of watching a, a low-budget version of the <laughs> yeah. film in my head. And that's why my mum said, I can't watch The Hobbit because I have how they look in my head and that what I see on screen will not be the same. Wrong, I see. So you get people do that. But my daughter, it's blank in her head. Mm. So when she reads, and I'm reading to her, we tried so many different things. It's kind of blank. She likes listening. She likes hearing it all. But it's, she's this blank, which kind of, she doesn't have that, I want to know what happens next. And she kind of, and so it's been, it's really interesting trying to work out what will make her read yeah and what's really interesting is when we're doing she was in year six and she just didn't read and we're having parents evenings hot face through the year they're saying that Maisie isn't read that's really going to impact her sat scores bloody bloody blah it's really impacting and we're telling Maisie you really need to read and we're like, let's have a look at her her current sat scores and she was already in greater depth for reading wow so although she doesn't enjoy reading her reading actually pulling the information out is phenomenal 
So I still want to unpick that up, but that's yeah, a whole that's... other tangent. <laughs> Let's go back to audiobooks. <laughs> well, right. I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting what you're saying about kind of using your imagination and stuff. So something that I think is a really lovely thing that people can do with audiobooks to kind of help children develop that. What's going on? Can you picture it? What do you think is going to happen next? Is while you're listening to an audiobook, get them to like draw a picture of what like of what they're what they're hearing, what the story what the story is, because then you know they're they're picking up on you know if they're listening to the Gruffalo, that's got brilliant description, right? He's got a green yes. wart on his nose, and it, it kind of goes through all the description of the Gruffalo, and you can kind of almost like a police sketch artist, like try and sketch <laughs> out the character that you are listening to the description of. And I think I do remember reading that studies show that audiobooks allow kind of young listeners to use their imagination more than when they're like playing video games and things like that. Not to, you know, not to diss video games. They are brilliant actually for, you know, developing storytelling and creative abilities. But actually kind of audiobooks really do tap into maybe because you are listening and you're not seeing and you you kind of, if you are someone who is a bit visual, you make your own visuals to kind of fill in that blank. That's really interesting about your daughter, though. My other story of my family is, which will then come into the next bit, is my mum loved audiobooks. And my this was in tape days, mm, before CDs, tape. before that. And she literally used to have these giant, almost plastic things. And it was ridiculously. And I remember getting in her car one day and I sat in the passenger seat and we started driving off. And it obviously she'd got to the end of the side and had sat in the car to finish that side. And when we got in the car, it said, side 59. <laughs> and then it went off on some Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit thing. And I just remember sitting there going, how long is this story? <laughs> and the bloke starts talking like this. And I, was, I found it quite falling asleepy. Mm. But so that was, and this is the thing, that was an unabridged book. Is that right? That's the term? Yeah, kind of, yeah, n- nothing's omitted. It's read cover to cover. So they are, so that's the thing, there are lots of different types of audiobooks. That's right, yeah. The unabridged is literally, if you picked up that book, everything in that book, as it is written, is said. <laughs> and I would say not the most interesting, because that's for you to infer. Is that right? I don't know about that. I think I think maybe the the way that it's read is all up to it's it's all up to the individual voice actor because uh, there are plenty of unabridged books I've listened to that are so engaging in, in 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 the way that they're read. But then you have some. I think especially like the more old fashioned books on tape definitely had much more droning <laughs> sort, of, sort of going on. Yeah. Nowadays. I might try a more modern one then. Yeah, I, I think there are plenty of, of very dynamic sort of voice actors that have, you know, read 10 hour long books and they still make you want to come back and they do all these voices and, they, you know, their intonation is is like very, yeah, very dynamic. But yeah, unabridged, yeah, definitely would be the sort of cover to cover. Nothing is omitted. And then you have the abridged. Mm, I don't know yeah. why the A is in there, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> well, I don't know what abridged yeah. book doesn't make any sense either, but an, an abridged yeah. book <laughs> is... It's kind of okay. You explain it because I'll do a bad job. Well, essentially, it's just it's it's cut short. It's kind of the the it's a shortened version. I remember when I was um, a child thinking that I was really clever because I was quite young and I'd read The Secret Garden and I knew that was a classic. And then I realized, oh, that was an abridged version, which, you know, I'm still glad I read it and I enjoyed it, but it wasn't the long, full one because they'd just taken the main important scenes and cut out some of the less plot relevant passages essentially and i think sometimes instead of going he said it with a gaspy voice Mm. it would say it with a gaspy voice yes 
Yeah, it can be. And again, that's where a, a good voice actor really comes into play. They can bring a book to life beautifully. So it's almost like instead of reading the Harry Potter book, put the film on and close your eyes. Mm. <laughs> that's like the abridged version. Yeah. And you also have kind of full cast, like radio productions of books. So in in the listening books catalog, we have quite a quite a few like kind of BBC radio um, productions. So we've got oh, can I th- kind of think of any off the top of my head? We do have the Hobbit. We actually have a BBC like full cast uh, production of the Hobbit, which is just so beautiful to listen to. I mean, it's got a, a full cast of actors. It's got music and sound effects. It's like listening to the Archers, but a lot more dragons. And we've got kind of the Northern Lights trilogy, kind of produced Philip Pullman's books trying to think what else we have a lot of the classics that have been done so there's like Heidi Secret Garden I think Little Red Riding Hood and Ballet Shoes and things like that and yeah they can be really good if you are kind of someone who's not sure whether you're into audiobooks or you had an experience where you've just not really got on with a narrator's style or you've listened to an audiobook that was super long and just lost your interest forecast kind of productions can be like a world of, of, of their own they're completely different it's an incredibly immersive experience I mean, a lot, of the, a lot of the titles that I've mentioned are kind of obviously for like kind of, I mean, it depends what age a child starts reading certain books, they might, but they might be for like children and young people versus as opposed to like very young children. But we do have, I've come across lots of lovely kind of books for very little children in audio that have like multiple actors and sound effects and music and it makes it all fun and interesting. And like you say, it's like you're listening to a film. And again, the visuals just go on inside your head. It gives your eyes a break as well. Um, lets you, you know, get rid of get rid of a screen for a little while, which I think a lot of parents are trying to find more and more ways to sort of do that because it's it's very tempting to sit in front of screens for a long time. Yeah, there are lots of different kinds of audiobooks, definitely. I think in the show notes, there's going to be like a blog post I wrote recently-ish with with kind of recommendations of different kinds of audiobooks for reluctant readers. And one of those is a whole section of of books that have like music and sound effects and stuff. That's one of, there's about 20 odd books that I've recommended. They could be really good for someone who's not sure about audio. There's a book I've read recently, which I've really enjoyed. And I read mm. it again recently and it's just such fun. And it's not on your list of books, which I'm very sad. Oh no, what's the book? It's called Off to Be the Wizard. Okay. Which is basically the short version is a kind of a hackery type bloke finds a file on a website which has his information in. Mm. He's got his height as he really is, not what he tells everyone. So he changes it and he realizes he's suddenly grown. Oh, wow. And he's like, what's this? He leaves it, comes back and goes, oh no, what else is it? And he, he finds his bank balance in there. So he sticks a zero on the end. And he gets his phone out and his bank balance has gone up. That's a really cool And concept. he's like, what's this? And he, cha- he finds his position. So he changes it and he suddenly he's a, he's a foot off the ground and drops and he sticks himself in a park and his case is amazing and realizes we're just in a big simulation and starts having lots of fun. But he's already worked out, okay, if I can escape, what can I do? And he's like, of all of this stuff, I could pretend to be a wizard. <laughs> so if it all goes wrong, I'm going to go back to medieval England and be Merlin. They will all <laughs> love me because I'm so cool. And that's what his plan was, but that's not how it goes. Okay. And it's very entertaining. That's really... Do you know the author so we can credit? I will find it and I'll stick it in the show notes for anyone who's interested. And yeah, It really should be a film because it is... It's a little bit, I would say, teenagery. So don't go younger, but it is a really cool concept. And there's follow-on books 
And it is really interesting. I love the idea. And it gets more. But it's one of those things that I've loved it. And I'd actually love to listen to that. I'd love to listen mm. to a proper cast or watch it. Because I did the same with Ready Player One. Mm, yeah. I read that book, absolutely fell in love with that book. And basically the premise of that film is what if Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, instead of being a chocolate factory, the bloke designed computer games. Mm. That was the idea of the premise. And I loved it. And then the film came out and it's a very different thing, but I still love it. And I want this to be yeah. a I want this to be a film or an audio book. Absolutely. Off to be the wizard. Off to be the wizard, that magic two point naught. Yeah. I mean, it might not be in the listening books catalogue, but I will recommend it to my colleagues. So that's that's something that I quite like. You know, we're a small organization. And so it's very easy to just get in touch with the person who gets the book and say, can we get that one? And then they say, probably. And, <laughs> and we grab but it. But it's just, it was, I quite like something where it's got a cool idea. Yeah. But it's got entertainment and a bit geeky. And it, I, my friend recommended it to me, and I think I read five, all five books in the series within a month. Wow. Yeah, you must have loved it. Oh, I'll definitely recommend it to my colleague. That sounds brilliant. So we've talked about what audio books are. We've yes. talked about how it kind of removes barriers for dyslexia and things like that. And reluctant readers, how else can audio books help children, specifically with special needs? Yeah, I mean, audio books can be really helpful for kind of, most people's mental health, to be honest, they're, they're really kind of a, a very good, I would say, tool in your mental health care toolkit, tool belt, if, if you will. Like they're, they're really beneficial for kind of quelling feelings of anxiety and stress um, or isolation and low moods. So if you, you know, if you're a child with special educational needs and disabilities and you're trying to navigate school, chances are you're going to be pretty stressed. <laughs> Um, because school is stressful enough without, you know, having kind of needs that may not be, may or may not be being met. And lots of children kind of are experiencing spikes of anxiety, especially kind of since the pandemic as well. And audiobooks can have a really kind of calming, soothing effect because I think, you know, I, I, that it doesn't really surprise me because if you think about how stories used to be told many, many years before we had printed books, oral tradition, you know, storytelling by word of mouth was the way that we used to pass down stories. And I think there is something something still within us, something very primal that kind of there's like a calming, soothing switch that gets triggered in our brains. When someone starts to tell us a story, we go, oh, okay, I'm going to, you know, put this down. And I'm just going to listen. And I think that is why children can be so soothed by story time and audiobooks can really tap into that. But I mean, yeah, you know, audiobooks are brilliant for for kids with with learning difficulties such as dyslexia. But if there's a child who's got a physical disability and might actually find it quite difficult to like hold physical books, you know, and turn the pages or make notes and what have you, audiobooks can be brilliant for that because again, they just remove that barrier to to the physical text. Yeah, I mean, if if you have, I mean, I've already said that. They can be really good for if you struggle with your writing as well, because it all just kind of cycles round into this literacy kind of pool of goodness where, where you've got, you know, it, it kind of everything is connected. And if you support access to literature in one way, often you can find that there are lots of other secondary benefits that you might not be aware of. It can also really just be good to listen to kind of stories that are read by people that you might identify with as well. 
So this is kind of slightly different and it might not affect everyone, but something that I'm like becoming more and more aware of the more I kind of work in like the audiobook sort of sector, I suppose, is that, you know, I think there's a lot of emphasis now on kind of representation in books, but actually kind of voice representation in books is really important too. So if you are a child who belongs to a minority ethnic background, for example, if you are able to have access to audiobooks that have kind of really wide range of, of narrators, you're more likely to find a story that might be read from by someone who actually kind of shares you, your, your background. And that can be a kind of a really key in getting kids like into stories because you see yourself in that story suddenly, whereas perhaps previously you didn't. That's, that's actually just the type, the person who's reading can have a really big impact. Absolutely. If I want to listen to relaxing music, generally I go for a female vocal. Interesting. So someone like Sarah McLaughlin, Jewel, Dido, that sort of just really chilled out. Yeah. Nice. Softer vocals, that high tone melodic really relaxes me. So it's the same is certain voices you love listening to. Yeah. I don't know anyone who doesn't like Morgan Freeman's voice. Oh, right. He could he could read my <laughs> oven's manual to me and I would sit and listen for four hours. <laughs> so uh, we're saying that as a, a, a lighthearted way, but that, for, for, but for someone who is a white male, mm. and when I think of all the audiobooks my mum listened to were read by white males, right, yeah. then that's what I'm used to. But actually we need that representation. We need different people reading. We need to hear a range of voices and you need to hear voices that you can connect with. Absolutely. That you find enjoyable, that you, it's easy for understand. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Totally. And I mean, obviously there's still like a long way to go. I'm not trying to pretend that, you know, in the kind of voice acting industry, you know, as in most industries, people such as white men kind of do still dominate, but for example, if you're a child from a minority ethnic background at school where the majority of your teachers are white, for example, you're not hearing that voice during storytelling time, you know, when you all sit on the carpet and someone reads you a book. But actually, if you have access to a library of thousands of audiobooks, there's much more chance that you're going to find something that you can connect with on that level. Yes. And that's the thing. Certain voices make me smile. So mm-hmm. I've just mentioned Morgan Freeman. I don't know if you are old enough if I say the name Rusty Lee. Oh, I'm afraid I'm not familiar. Can you key me in? So Rusty Lee was one of those TV chefs. Gotcha. But she has the best laugh. (laughs) So after this podcast, if you've never heard of Rusty Lee, get out YouTube and search Rusty Lee and just listen to her and watch her. And and try and see how quickly you are smiling and feeling better about the world. Because mm. she just has this, I think she's Jamaican or from somewhere. If I've got that wrong, sorry. But she just has this really enthusiastic and she is just, everything is funny with a great laugh. And just watching her just made me feel good. Just made you feel warm. So if she read me an audiobook. I am so going to listen to that. Right. I am so engaged. Yeah. Even if it's the uh, dishwasher manual, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it will be interesting and I'll pay attention. Yeah. So it is, we've got to think about not just for, for me, for me hearing, but actually we all need to hear a range of voices. Totally. 
Yeah. And I think I, I do remember sort of reading a study on kind of like representation and, and audiobooks and kind of seeing yourself represented through audiobooks. And, you know, I, I remember reading that children who listen to audiobooks are A, more likely to come across like a wider range of voices, but B, they're then actually more likely to want to know more about people who are different from them. I'm, I'm, I think I'm kind of phrasing that in a really kind of clunky way, but basically I do remember reading that children who listen to audiobooks are more interested in the world around them and want to hear different experiences and perspectives. And I think that's wonderful. That's the thing is, I suppose when you think about it, when you hear a voice, you are picturing a person. When you read words, I don't actually know who wrote those words. I know nothing about the person mm. who wrote those words. I'm reading them to me, but yeah, there is a someone reading it and telling you you're picturing different things as someone reads something to you. You're hearing things differently. It's it's shaping things in your head. Even though it's not their words, they've written. Mm. Although I suppose you have probably have some authors who do their own audio books. It adds another layer into that. It adds that interest. It adds things to it. Absolutely. Audiobooks. So when I think of audiobooks, mm-hmm. historically, my mum used to have to buy them. And they were horrifically expensive. Mm. Especially if you've got 59 tapes, <laughs> however many there were. And she imagine. wasn't at the end of that. I don't know how big <laughs> that thing was. It was ridiculous. And I think that scarred me. But she also used to borrow them from the library. Mm. So that was when they were taped and then they came out on CD. Now, in more recent years, we all know and heard of Audible because Amazon is amazing at their marketing, which if you don't know, if I remember correctly, it's £10 a month and you get basically, you can add a book to your collection once a month, I think. I think that's right. I think it works in credits. So one book can be one credit a lot of the time. So basically you get to add one book to your library every month. Your library increases. You don't get rid of the others. But if you stop paying, you lose access to everything. Mm. So for you to access 12 books is going to cost you £120 a year. My goodness. That puts that into perspective. When you, when you... So that is, I think, historically, cost has been a really big barrier to audiobooks. Right. I can buy a book and stick it in the, in the library for this much money. But not only do you need to buy the book itself in audio format, we also need a tape recorder or a CD player and a headphones and somewhere for that child to sit and listen. Yes. So historically, that is the kind of the equipment and the cost has been really big barriers. Mm. Now, with listening books, it's different. And I'm not going to do a big plug. I don't like plugging companies, but you are a charity. That's right. Yeah. And so kind of we do have we have paying memberships and free memberships. And I'll sort of distinguish between those. But as a charity, everything is heavily subsidized. So if you want to, if you, you know, if you have a print impairment of any kind and live in the UK, you can probably be supported by us. And if you would like to stream and download audiobooks in much a similar way as you might with with Audible, you can pay £20 a year and that gives you access to now, let me get this right. You can have two books borrowed from our library at a time, up to 10 books a week. So if you do the maths, that could be 40 books a month if you're really getting through it. And that's £20 a year, kind of a flat, uh, a flat sort of membership fee. And we do offer CDs sent by post as well, MP3 CDs for people who might not have the internet access or also just prefer CDs. You know, there are lots of people who actually do like a physical, might not be 59 tapes, but it is definitely 
yeah, different CDs are great for some people. We also have completely free memberships available to our service. And that would be for anyone who would be eligible to join us, but wouldn't be able to afford our usual membership costs, essentially. So, you know, we, we take people on their word. You can just self-declare that this would be good for you and you don't have to pay for your membership. We have really kind donors and kind of sponsors who allow us to fully subsidize people's access to audio because like you said, cost can be such a barrier to audiobooks, but to so many things. And, you know, we just really, really believe in like the power of audiobooks, you know, like, and, and no one should have money being the barrier to that. If audio isn't your thing, fair enough, but you should at least have the option to give it a go if, if you think it could help you. That's the thing is, if you think of books, is you can generally buy the latest book for not a huge amount of money. You've got lots of charity bookshops. You've got, there's generally a couple of books in each thing. You mm. go to a PTA sale, there'll be some book. There's generally, there's books everywhere and they're generally, you can get them really cheap. Mm. So if, if there was a book you read years ago as a child and you want to find it, you'll find it on eBay for 32p <laughs> and you can get it and you can read it and relive all those things. But as soon as we move away from print, you're literally being, everything is just unaffordable. Absolutely. So all these people are being denied books because they cannot afford it. Yes. And kind of, especially if you need to access books in, in audio format due to disability, it's, there's, there's no justice there. I mean, you know, but there's, I think it's quite common knowledge. I think reg regular studies are released that show that being disabled in the UK is incredibly expensive. And yes. we definitely kind of being a charity, we don't want to be contributing to that financial burden. If, if you have any kind of print impairment or illness, disability, that means accessing physical books is harder for you. We don't want to make it even harder by saying it costs an arm and a leg to access our audiobooks. So heavily subsidize everything we do. And that's the thing is for £20 a year, it's not hugely expensive. And if literally your children access that on your cart journeys for the summer holidays and all this, it's not actually that expensive. If they're accessing for part of the year, mm. it's not huge, but it can really transform because they can access. That's the thing, you haven't just got the old classics. You've got on the website, you've got lots. And how many books in total? Over 10,000. So that's a lot of choice. You're not penalized into your limited choice. You can find books which suit you. So you can give so many people a wide, huge access to a wide range of books. Yeah, absolutely. And as I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, we have we have over 10,000 and counting audiobooks. You know, we have actually got our own studios as well, where we do like kind of so all of our most of our audiobooks are bought from like publishers and things and they're professionally recorded but if there's an audiobook that doesn't actually exist and some one of our members says I'd really like to be able to listen to this book if we can get the rights to it we will produce that for our members which we often do with children's books especially educational books we call those our sound learning range we're really proud of that you know we will we're always open to requests and suggestions for audiobooks because we just want to it, we're very member led in that way and as you say 20 pounds a year it's no great shakes to lots of people but also for those who actually would find that unaffordable we can offer that to you completely free and you you don't have to miss out on those wonderful benefits of audio audiobooks so we've talked about children listening kind of on their own we've yeah. talked about listening in the car how would you use audiobooks in school that's a really good question. So especially if we're thinking about children with, with SEND, if there is, for example, uh, lots of schools call it different things. You can have like golden time, choosing time, kind of a bit of downtime. 
where, for example, I think a lot of a lot of the time some students might have tablets and things that they can go on if they have like kind of one-to-one support and things like that. That is the perfect time if a child's done their work or they need a break or they're feeling overwhelmed to stick on an audiobook, even if it's only for five minutes, just to give them that kind of soothing respite from the hectic kind of time that they might be having at school. It's brilliant for children who might be feeling anxious. It's fantastic for children who, if you're studying a text in class and they're just not, it's just not going to go in if they're, if they're looking at it on the page, they don't have to miss out on that. They don't have to feel embarrassed. They don't have to struggle through. That audiobook can be right there to support them. Yeah, uh, they can be fantastic for that. You can also set up like a listening station um, in a classroom where where students can, again, especially if you're having choosing time or if they're quite young and roaming around, around the classroom, they can go and listen. I remember when I was in reception, we had a big clunky listening station with like massive headphones and all these knobs and dials on the thing. And I used to think it was the coolest thing ever. Obviously, when when students get that bit older, because obviously I was sort of thinking about reception, like infant school age students there. But when they get a bit older, school gets more demanding. You have less time. In my experience, I had much less time to read for pleasure than ever. The older I get, the further the further I got into the school system, I had much less time to read for pleasure. But actually having audiobooks there lets students listen on the way to and from school. If they get the bus to school in the morning, they can stick an audiobook on and they can they don't have to miss out on reading just because they have lots of homework or lots of clubs or they're just overwhelmed. It's there's there's lots that you can do with like within a school there. You can kind of get involved with the library. You can have a listening station set up in the library. I think a lot of I think a lot of students do go to the school library sometimes if they're feeling overwhelmed. It's a place to sort of get away, maybe at lunchtime and just sort of be by yourself or talk to the librarian or kind of, you know, just have a moment to breathe. And kind of integrating audiobooks into that can be really useful as well. I can go on and on. <laughs> it's very good. It's great for phonics lessons as well to actually kind of give students um, the chance to listen to the sounds that they're like working on read in the context of sentences and actual paragraphs and stories um, rather than just the, the phonics kind of stripped down bare by themselves where students might not be as sure of, about why they're learning them. Lots of opportunities to listen to audiobooks in school. Absolutely. And we do also offer memberships for, for schools specifically as well as just individuals. That's the thing. I think the, that reduction in price means you, if you are doing a lesson on the Gruffalo, mm. then that child can listen to the Gruffalo rather than having to read it, mm. which basically means we've removed the decoding part. We're now on the comprehension part. You can ask them questions about what colour is the water at the end of his nose and they can answer it. Absolutely. And audiobooks help students develop reading comprehension just as well as printed books. They've tried it. They've tested it. It's a bit of a myth that actually audiobooks don't count in that sense because because absolutely they do. They help develop comprehension just as well. That's the thing. It's a whole thing in my head. Decoding and comprehension should be in two completely different sections. Mm, Absolutely. To me, decoding and comprehension is from a period before moving pictures. Hmm. So if I, I read a book of Romeo and Juliet, if I listen to Romeo and Juliet, or I watch a play of Romeo and Juliet, in my head, I'm comprehending all of it in a similar way. Absolutely. It's all exposure to literature. There's no sort of, there's no hierarchy to reading as much as people like to believe that there might be. That's not to say that people can't have preferences. 
like you say, I think you've mentioned a couple of times, you know, you might have prior experiences with very long or uh, droney audiobooks in the car that might make you think, you know what, maybe it's not for me at this stage in my life. You might be someone who's, yeah, tried it, not so sure about it, or just really, really likes a hardback book. And that's all okay. But to say to someone else that, you know, listening to an audiobook doesn't count as reading is unnecessarily restrictive, I think. <laughs> and I'd, I'd love to know your justification apart from that you're not decoding. It's like, well done. Yeah, correct. I'm not. But however, I literally have listened, because I've listened to the unabridged version, <laughs> the exact same words you have. And I have the exact access, the same meaning, mm. all the understanding, exactly the same. So it's the same. It is the same. It is. And, you know, especially when we start talking about accessibility, why on earth we would limit ourselves when we have options that make reading inclusive for more people? Makes no, it makes no sense to me that we would say, I know, I know it's really good and I know it helps a lot of people. And actually it means that, you know, people who wouldn't traditionally be able to access the books can now access the books. And I know that it helps you with your confidence and it actually makes you feel really good about yourself as a reader, but it doesn't count. Like it doesn't make um, any sense to me at all. I think more people could have an open mind about audiobooks. And again, if they're not for you, that's fine, but they might really be for other people. So why would you want to draw a line in the sand there? and other people could benefit from them. I'd love to be really interesting to know in terms of types of need and non-disabled, kind of the percentage of people who do reading for pleasure. Because mm. you have people going, oh, I love curling up with a book and all of this and blah, blah, blah. And there are lots of people who read for pleasure because they can. Yes. But I would love to know if we go into the world of SEN, how many children, young people read for pleasure what that difference is and then ask why yeah and and if it literally comes back to the physical aspect of the book the holding the book the decoding that text and being able mm. to understand that text if that's the barrier then we need to remove it yeah because everyone should be able to read pleasure i've mentioned two books i've loved or three actually i've mentioned the biggles ready player one and off to be the wizard yes i can lose a day reading those i can escape everything in my world and fall into those books yeah and i'm disappeared and the world all my problems have gone away while i'm reading and it's great mm -hmm. absolutely i mean it's <laughs> reading for pleasure has always been my number one hobby it's my my it's always been my favorite favorite thing to do and gosh i'm really i'm really pumping out all these studies here but this is relevant because a couple of weeks ago a brand new kind of piece of data came out from i think it's the university of cambridge which has blown my mind and it's kind of saying that actually being able to read for pleasure is so important because it actually is linked to better mental well-being and better cognitive performance in adolescents if those adolescents had had read for pleasure when they were in their early years if that makes sense so reading for pleasure from an early age kind of sets you up for kind of better mental well-being and and kind of cognitive performance as a teenager and if you are someone who just doesn't see yourself as a reader or you just don't think you have access to books like we were sort of talking about towards the start of the session if you are dyslexic and you say to yourself well that just means you know I just can't stand reading and that means I'll never be able to read for pleasure that whole world is closed off to you until you can find you know a, a, a different route into literature that's accessible to you what I find is if you want to learn or do something, you will find generally a way to learn and do it, mm. is what I find. So that child who couldn't read but loved, wanted to read Percy Jackson, yeah. 
went through the whole of her, his vocabulary, his knowledge, his understanding, his passion grew from listening to that book. He was then able to then buy that physical book mm. and it boosted his reading. So I find if I want to do something, I will go and learn about it. Right. Yeah. So the thing I'm passionate about will make me want to learn new skills and things I, I can't do, I will want to be able to do because I want to do that. Yeah. When you're at school, you're doing it because you're told to. Mm. But that reading for pleasure, I want to read the Harry Potter books. I want to access this. I want to read how I want to go there. It kind of drives what you want to do. Absolutely. Because, but that comes from inside, which means you will do it. So the fact if you read for pleasure that the kind of the bit improved cognition, improved outcomes and all that lot makes so much sense because you're doing it for you. Absolutely. Which is where that drive comes from. You're not doing it because someone told you it's important to you. Totally. Yeah. Reading for pleasure is your own. Yeah. Like you say, you know, no one can tell you what you need to read for pleasure. No one can tell you when you need to have it read by, you know, no one can, it's, it's your own and, and, and it's, it feeds into your well-being, but also your personality. You can discover whole new interests. You can learn about yourself by reading for pleasure. And it's, you know, to think that there, there are people who just cannot or feel like they cannot access that when actually perhaps they could if they read via a different medium. It's, it's, really, it's really difficult because as, as someone, yeah, who grew up reading, I, I just, I could rant all day about why it's so good for you. I have a newborn niece, actually, and the amount of books I bought her already is shocking. I was in a charity shop a couple of days ago and I had to tell myself to put down the books because they're meant for five-year-olds and I'm not hanging on to them for five years. But, you know, it's just, I just want that for everyone. You know, everyone should have the chance to read for pleasure. But again, it's that cost thing. You were in a charity shop, mm. it was really cheap. Yes. You just pick them up. It's thing. As soon as you kind of access that, without kind of the listening books charity is access those 10 books that's 100 and something pounds please mm. and also it's, what if those 10 books are absolutely nothing you're interested in you shouldn't just have to access them because they're the only books in your medium that you found you know you should have as much choice in what you want to listen to as people who read physical books can you know i'm not sure if that made much sense <laughs> no it does it yeah is, you'll like this why because it's all you can access yeah well, what if I want to read something completely different? Yeah. What if what if I want uh, something that's that's of a different reading age? What if I want something that's written in in a different genre? Or yeah. Imagine if we were only allowed to read certain books and it was controlled by someone else. We wouldn't like that. No. You know, I I think probably it's safe to say that liking books is a big part of my personality. But <laughs> but like. If, if I didn't have the freedom to choose exactly what I wanted to read, I probably would be an entirely different person. You know, like it's, I, that wouldn't be a cool part of who I am, you know? like I really go through my reading. I go through like properly up and down. You kind and of I'll have read. slumps and, and peaks. But some of my slumps might last for like seven years. Yeah. But then I will find a book I love, which then leads me on to. So I think I didn't really read a book and I revisited a load of books. I read like seven books in a, couple of weeks over the summer yeah. then got nothing and then someone told me about off to be the wizard and that led me on to 20 odd books mm. that i read in about a year wow so i have a real up and down but i yeah. really enjoy but i've what i personally was my issue is i feel i ha i need the time to finish the entire book oh do you find it hard to put a book down even if you're not liking it or 
yeah. So once I, if I'm going to read this book, I need to get to the end within a day or two. Oh, I see. I'm with you. I can't, I can't kind of start this book and put this book down for six weeks and then pick it up again. It's not going to so happen. I need, yeah. so I generally, holidays are a good thing for me. Mm. Going camping, sitting in a chair, in the sunshine or wherever in the rainy day, it's a great time to go and read mm. that although I'm here, my head by reading a book is taking me somewhere completely different and the more people that can access that the better absolutely yeah i mean escapism you know it's 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 always helpful i think i think you know life is stressful life is stressful for school children life is stressful for adults for teenagers for uni students you know a little bit of escapism i think never goes amiss <laughs> and, definitely not yeah whether whether you get that through a printed book or you know a video game or a film or an audio book you deserve the, the the chance to be able to access the best kind of the option, the best option for you. Excellent. Right. I'm going to wrap it up mm-hmm. so we could take on for hours yeah. and do whole book reviews <laughs> and everything. So thank you for coming to the show today. I've really enjoyed it. I've learned lots about different types of books and, and I see a real benefit in audio books, but I also see a benefit of making them much more affordable, Absolutely. which is really cr- crucial. So we'll be putting links to things we've mentioned, loads of links to listening books. You said you wrote a blog on book suggestions for reluctant readers. So that's in there as well. So all of that and ways to get in contact with listening books. And you'll also find that you'll find that in all the show notes as usual, wherever you listen to the podcast or on our website. So as always, thank you for listening to the show. If you haven't subscribed already, click on that subscribe button. You can follow us on social media, on Twitter or X. (laughs) I don't don't like that. It's going to take me a long while to call it X. It's a bit bleak, isn't Um, it? (laughs) It is. Yeah, there's a whole other thing about that. Mm. But yeah, so on Twitter, still couldn't call it Twitter, we are at The Sendcast. And on Facebook and Instagram, just simply The Sendcast, all really, really simple. And as always, talking about B-squared is if you are struggling to show progress, if your assessment process is overcomplicated, takes too long, or if you just want to see what is available, have a look at the B-squared website or book a free online meeting with me so I can take you through our products. We have a range of assessment products to help all schools show small sets of progress for pupils SEND. If you are assessing reading, you can work across multiple levels and show that a pupil is struggling with their decoding, but their comprehension is flying. Or vice versa, they can decode amazingly, but they're struggling with their comprehension. You don't just have to have a look at an overall reading score. You can work and really show where their strengths are, where their weaknesses are. So if you want to know anything else about assessment, please get in contact. Have a look at our B-squared website. You can find out about our online training, our CPD, read our blog, watch our webinars. It's all on the website. And you'll find a link to the website and to book a meeting with me in the show notes as well. So thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Sendcast. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.